Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Well, we've been talking about the love of God, amen? The royal law of love. And we actually read that from uh, the scripture out of James chapter 2, right? And verse 8. Where is my scripture? I'm not even seeing it. Do we have it up on the screen from last week, Joshua? Not even seeing it in my notes. Same notes. Here we go. If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law, and we talked about this, the royal law literally means royal or kingdom law. When you look it up in the Greek, according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And you will be doing what? Well. Amen. And we talked about the fact that everything we do as believers should be uh, motivated through and by the love of God that's been now shed abroad in our hearts as children of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. That's another thing we ought to be thankful about, that we have his love in our hearts and we don't have, come on, a cold heart, an evil heart, a wicked heart, but we have a heart full of love from Him. Amen. And we started talking about the fact that everywhere you see in Scripture that John, or through the book of John and other Scriptures, in talking about the love of God, it was always in connection with one another. The love of God was not just meant for you, it was for meant for others because you now are connected to a fa- the family of God, right? And so what we do now is impacting other people's lives for the kingdom of God. And so it's very important that we recognize that aspect of the love of God. It wasn't just about you. It was about you getting into a place in his kingdom and then allowing what God does in you through his love to come and operate and flow through you into other people's lives. Amen. And uh, it's so important that we keep that in remembrance. And then last week we talked about the fact, well, how do we apply biblical love to our everyday life? Amen. Uh, Biblical love, not the way your opinion on how you're going to love somebody in the body of Christ, But what does his scripture actually say uh, to us about loving others, right? And so we looked at that last week and realized that we must appropriate the love of God and making sure that our motive is pure. We are to also forgive. Remember that? Walking. And forgiving people freely and having a heart ready to forgive. Amen. 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 That should be our motive as believers now that we are in the kingdom of God is that we actually are motivated to want to get things right with other believers in the body of Christ. That we want to make sure that we are getting things right and not allowing Uh, unforgiveness to happen in our hearts, right? 
I'm trying to find my notes. I feel like they've all disappeared. Oh, here we go. We weren't to take revenge out ourselves, right? But that we were to forgive. Now, we ended on this scripture out of Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and verse uh, 22 through 32. And I read it out of the Amplified. And recognizing that just because God's love is in you doesn't mean that it is going to uh, work. He's not going to make it work. Who's, who's responsible to make love work in our life? We are. We are. We are the ones that make a decision that I'm going to activate this love that God put in my heart and I am actually going to apply it and do what his scripture says for me to do and I am the one responsible for it. Love, his love can lay dormant in your heart. It can lay there dormant, not activated. You've got the seed of love, his love now in your heart and we are the ones that have to work the soil of our heart to produce the fruit of love in our life, right? So we have to do it. He can't make us love anyone. He can't make us do anything. We have to make a decision to allow this love that he's given us to produce in our life. And the way that we do that is by doing the word or doing the scripture that we hear him say to do, which we read last week. He says, love your, uh, bless your enemies and what? Do good to them that mistreat you. That's the way he says that we are to love, right? And so we are the ones that are supposed to uh, put love into practice in our life. But out of Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and verse 22 through 32, he said this. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified again. It says, strip yourself of your former nature. Put off and disregard your old renew, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through the lust and the desires that spring from delusion." And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. And put on the new nature. So who has to put on the new nature? We do. We do. God's already done everything for us, but yet we still have to take the responsibility to put it on in our life every day, to walk it out, to walk by the Spirit and not by this flesh, right? So he's letting us know, listen, we've got to put it on. Put on the new nature, the regenerated self created in God's image, God-like and true righteousness. Hallelujah. And holiness. Therefore, rejecting all falsity and being done now with it, let everyone express the truth with his neighbor. For we are all parts of one body and members of one another. When angry, do not sin. Do not ever let your wrath, your uh, 
Yeah, that word. <laughs> Exasperation. Thank you. I just had to sit and think about it a minute. Your fury or indignation lasts until the sun goes down. Why? We don't want to leave room or a foothold for the devil. Well, I thought the devil couldn't mess with somebody that's born again. I've heard that before. But we can give him an open door or a foothold still in our life if we don't make a decision to do what his word says to do. Amen. So we have to make a decision to close every door, foothold, or opportunity and not give it to him. He says this, let the thief steal no more. Quit letting him steal your joy. Quit letting him steal peace out of your home. Quit letting all of these things happen when you don't have to. But if you don't shut the door on the evil one or shut the door on things that keep it open, you're going to continue to have chaos in your home even though you're supposed to have heaven on earth. Right? And we talked about ways that we can still allow the flesh to dominate us, right? With anger, responding in anger, responding rudely, responding in all kinds of fleshly carnal behaviors. We have to make a decision that we're not going to allow those things to rule in our lives anymore. And understand that if we allow them to rule in our lives, we're opening the door wide open, back open to the enemy to have full access again to kill, steal, and destroy your life even though you're a child of God. Even though, and that's why you see people still have chaotic lives even though they're born again because they never dominate or crucify the flesh and it's in responses of how we respond in situations. But if we don't choose to respond by the Spirit, then what are we doing? We're responding by the flesh and we're giving the devil access again. Or a foothold back in our life when the door should already be shut. Shut the front door. Come on. I, I get tired of seeing the the people just give the enemy full access continually in their life when they are above it. When he is supposed to be under our feet. When we're supposed to be reigning above these things. Right? Hallelujah. So he says, quit letting the thief steal. No more, but rather let him be industrious, making an honest living with his own hands so that he may be able to give to those in need. Let no foul or polluting language, evil word, unwholesome, worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. Say ever. ever. So you don't have a right in the midst of your argument with your spouse to run him down and dog him out or vice versa. Don't let it come out of your mouth. Who's in charge of that? We are. We are. Now, the Holy Ghost will help you if you ask. 
He'll help you if you ask him. When you get in a situation, I've said this story before, my mouth got me in a lot of trouble, right? And so when we first got married, I would just say what I thought all the time and whatever came out of my mouth came out of my mouth until the Holy Ghost one day uh, rebuked me for it and said, you need to shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. I'm washing dishes, minding my own business. <laughs> you know, and he said something, and I said something back, you know, because we know what to say. We know those buttons to push. Come on. And, uh, and so I heard him, I heard the Holy Ghost on the inside say, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. So when he said that, I have now a decision to make. Right? Am I going to allow the Holy Ghost to help me in this situation learn how to control my tongue? Or am I just going to ignore that suggestion? Right? So you know what I chose to do? I said, okay, well, Holy Ghost, you help me. Keep my mouth shut. So what do you hear the term? Bite your tongue. So I'm going to sit there and learn how to bite my tongue. And as you begin to yield to that, you become more proficient in it. If you choose not to, then you're just going to have the continual cycle. Right? Because the goal is that you become a practicer of what you're hearing. Through scripture, where we know we ought to be respecting our husband. Right? That he's the lead of the home. Right? Well, I, I wasn't ever taught that growing up. And I had issues, right? There was some issues there. But I had to learn how to yield to the Holy Ghost. And ask him to help me bite my tongue the next time it was to happen. Amen. And so then you become proficient in practicing what you're hearing. And doing what you heard the Holy Ghost to do. Until you realize, yeah, okay, this really won't go so bad if I just keep my mouth shut. Or if I learn how to communicate in a proper way. Right? When you learn how to be able to communicate properly instead of most communication is in defense and response. Instead of listening, learning, evaluating, being what? Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to... Right? So... We have to learn these things, right? So he says, don't let it come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others. So how is what I'm getting ready to say going to help a, someone else spiritually progress, actually, in whatever it is that they're dealing with? We've got to think about that, right? Right? Because if our heart is pure of 
of love and we are only there to uh, see the best in others and help bring out the best in others, then we're going to learn how to communicate in a way that would help their spiritual progress as much as it's going to help your spiritual progress. Right? Because that's the goal of someone that is truly a person as a believer that's loving others. We're talking about God's love, agape. How is this going to help you and how is this going to help me? Spiritually, progress in our relationship. See that? Because remember, it wasn't just all about us. So this is really not where I'm wanting to go, but I'm just breaking down these things as we come along. It says this, as it is fitting to the need and the occasion, that it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor, to those who hear it. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden him. How will we do that if we don't do what the scripture before that is saying? We're going to offend the Holy Ghost. We're going to grieve the Holy Ghost. When we don't allow the Holy Spirit to rule our hearts, we will offend him. He's trying to help us and we're saying, Oh, I don't receive that unction. Oh, I don't receive that. Whatever it may be. We can offend him. We can sadden him. By whom you were sealed, marked and branded as God's own secured for the day of redemption of final deliverance through Christ from evil and the consequences of sin. This is what I really want to focus on. Okay. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath passion, rage, bad temper, and resentment, anger, animosity, and quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive, and blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind, and become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted. Wow, there's a lot here. But this is where we ended last week. Forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. How many times have you blown it and you've had to ask God to forgive you? And aren't you thankful that he's ready to forgive you? At that moment that you ask, he's ready. Come on. He's ready to forgive you immediately, freely. So when it comes to us in our relationships with one another, believers in Christ, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters in the natural, whatever, mothers and daughters and and mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws are we with the motive of God's heart purely wanting to see the best in these situations that we encounter with one another are we a person that's readily ready to forgive come on and move on to a spiritual progress of one another this is important because he lets us know we must forgive. And I'm going to say this, and we said this last week. If we don't forgive 
it will turn into a root of bitterness. And this is what I want to talk about tonight. Which is that, that door or that foothold in your life that the devil still owns you even though God is supposed to own you. He will have you bound by bitterness and unforgiveness if you choose not to have a pure heart of agape to say, I am always like my father, ready and willing to freely forgive if there's repentance. And I'm always ready and freely to do whatever it can be to reconcile the situation. This is the heart of the Father. This is the royal law of love. And when we start doing that, having the heart of the Father, right? When we start doing that, when we start actually applying forgiveness in areas and say, listen, uh, I forgive you. I'm going to let it go. But we need to get a uh, a, a solution for this there needs to be change I'm not talking about habitual I mean you know you can't cover every scenario when you're teaching on a subject you just can't do it that's why it's so important you have a church body and come on a regular basis because you'll hear a certain teaching on love but then three years later come from another angle and that was what you needed that piece that was missing you can't cover everything entirely that's why church is so important that you're continually coming and hearing and sitting up underneath the word because there's so many things so many spectrums of love or whatever any subject you just can't cover it all in all details, in all scenarios, in all situations. You just can't do it. Right? So, we have to be people that recognize if we choose not to have the heart of the Father and forgive, then it's going to be a danger to us. It's going to be a danger to us. Okay? Let's go in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verses 14 through 15 It says this And if you forgive others for their transgressions Your heavenly father will also forgive you Okay That's an if and a conditional statement We've already talked about Some conditional things of love Haven't we? So he says, if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Well, I thought I've already, I was already forgiven of everything. But this is in connection to others. Again, what did we talk about? Love is always in connection to others. And he's saying, listen, if you don't forgive others, then that forgiveness is not going to be there for you. But yet we all want it, don't we? But yet we choose to withhold it from people.
that's done us wrong. We hold grudges. We hold offenses. Come on. We still have anger issues. All kinds of things. And we wonder why we don't see fullness in our life when you come to church and you see and hear all the things that God wants to do for your life and all the promises that he has for you and you wonder why you don't see it operating completely and fully in your life as I said go back to the motive of the heart go back to the motive of love which is the foundation of the kingdom of God what's your love walk look like and it's not just what you think it is it again has to align itself with what he said love looks like love is bless your enemies love is do to others as you would have them do to you love is love them like I Christ have loved you well did he forgive you then who are we to think that we could withhold forgiveness to other people and it not affect our lives and we go in circles wondering why we're not seeing things happen in our life because your faith is not working because it will only work by okay so you can speak to those mountains all day long but you've got a, a, uh, unforgiveness in your heart and those mountains are not going to move and you're going to go around them for 40 years See what I'm saying? So we have the responsibility to forgive others. Then your heavenly father uh, will forgive you, right? Actually, I want to go to John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, verse 23, it reads this. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any... They have been retained. You can actually retain the very sin that you choose not to forgive that has been done to you. Why? Because it becomes that bitter root within you and the very thing that you hated that was done to you becomes you and you begin to do it. So we must be people that are readily to forgive and to freely forgive because we do not want to have sins that have happened in the past, things that have taken place in our lives that we could choose to be victims and hold on. Come on. Hold on. You say out of one side of your mouth you forgive them, but you hold on. And the very thing that you hate, you will produce. You will become. That bitterness will turn. That bitter, we're going to read it. The bitter root. A bitter root will only produce bitter fruit. A bitter root. This is what needs to be on my quote. A bitter root will produce 
can only produce bitter fruit. Can only produce bitter fruit. Okay? So it's very important that we recognize that we do not want to retain the sins of others. We don't want to hold on to these things. We want to be people that freely forgive and let it go. Right? Because the actually when you look up that word retain means it will take hold of you. Possession of you. Actually when you read it in the Greek. It will take hold of you and possess you, so to speak. Now, I'm not talking about a, you know, you're not possessed by a devil. No, you're possessed by a root of bitterness that you've chosen to keep within and not release and forgive and let go. It took hold of you. Took hold of you. That's what that word retain means. So it's very important. Now, I was going to talk about Stephen and Jesus because they are very, uh, they represent how they said, forgive them, Father. Forgive them, right? Stephen was being stoned, and right before he looked up and saw, the, saw Jesus, what happened? He said, forgive them. Don't hold their sins against them, right? Jesus, standing on the cross, forgive them, Father, for they know what, what? what not they do, right? Okay, I'm not going to read those scriptures, but you know what I, in reference of two accounts that we see that they let it go, right? Let it go, right? So unforgiveness leads to bitterness, Colossians 3, 12 through 15. So as those who have become or have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And what? Forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against anyone. Wow. Just a complaint. Just forgive them. I mean, there's people, plenty of people that complain about me. I just forgive them. I don't care. Because I love them and I'm going to choose not to. Come on allow that to affect my life because I've learned that I can love from God's heart and still love them it's not that I don't I don't care about that person I just don't care about the complaint I'm going to choose to forgive them I'm going to choose to let it go and love them anyway right and he tells us that we should do that uh, just as the Lord forgave you again in recognition that if you want him to forgive you you need to forgive others just like he forgave you right and it says this beyond all things put on love which is the perfect bond of unity you want to know why you have discord in your house because there is not love being practiced the way he said it should be practiced. Because if his love, agape, is actually being applied in your marriage and in your life, there will be a bond of unity. Not discourse, not strife, come on, not always fighting, not anger, not anything happening, but seeing agape's love filtering through and processing through your marriage and your life. 
because you're allowing love to be the bond of unity. You've put a place in your heart to allow him to say, what's going to help the spiritual progress of the other individual, come on, or vice versa, so that we can move this thing forward in God's love so that we can have unity and it will be bonded together. There is a binding that will happen because love is in operation in your life. Hallelujah. His love is the only thing that will truly unify. And that's why we still have division in the world. Because not everybody has God's love in their heart. But then those that do have God's love in their heart, supposedly, they've got to apply it to see all of it come to the fullness right so we have a responsibility to be a person that's going to be a bond of unity by walking in the god kind of love in whatever situation and scenario that we encounter first corinthians 13 in the love scripture you know first corinthians 13 1 through 8 is talking about the love of god but in 5 and 6 he says this Love does not take in account a suffered, wrong suffered. It don't take into an account of a wrong suffered. What does that mean? I'm going to choose to not allow this to be held over a person's head as an account or that, as a, an account that owes. Owes something. Because then it's tit for tat. No, I'm going to be a person that actually is like my father who said when I asked him to forgive me, he cast my sin into the depths of the sea or the one translation says the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't hold an account. So who are we holding account? He don't hold an account. He says he doesn't remember them from the e- he dispersed from the east to the west doesn't even remember our sins but yet we hold on and remember come on and have an account that's a owing account of people that have hurt us or taken advantage of us you know actually in matthew from the very beginning the first scripture that i read in uh Matthew 6, 14, where it says, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Some of you have heard this story, but some of you may have not, and it bears repeating. You know, um, before I even really was serving the Lord or going to church back when I was still 16, 17, 18 years old, in between that time frame, after I had gotten pregnant, with my first son, and, um, you know, I was making a decision that, you know, I was, I need to go to church. I need to get my life together, you know. I had gotten born again at eight years old, but my parents didn't raise me in church. We didn't go back. I was at a vacation Bible school. So I had the seed in me, Right. right? I was water baptized. I had the seed in me. So this whole time, you know, there's a struggle because I know there's something in me, but I don't know what to do with it. 
because I was never taught what to do with it. But I knew he was drawing me after, you know, this scenario of getting pregnant and all these things and married and all. And so 17, 16, 17, I decided I'm going to go to church, right? Because something still on the inside was drawing me and uh, didn't know what it was. Well, I had started going to a church, didn't even really know what church to go to. Uh, but it ended up being a church of God, and they spoke in tongues. Well, I started going to this church, and some of the mothers of the church took me under their wing, you know, and I was trying to do what was right and trying to go to church, but, you know, the other half didn't want anything to do with it. And so there was still a struggle, so I was just kind of in and out. But I remember during that time, I sat down and I started reading the scripture, and it, this is the very first scripture I really came to in Matthew. It is the first book, right? So I'm sitting there by myself as a, you know, I, I want to say maybe I was 17, 18. I don't really recall the age. And it, I was reading this. And I heard on the inside, this is the first time I had ever really heard the voice of the Lord. I didn't even know what it was. I just thought the Bible was talking to me. And I heard the very first thing, you have hatred in your heart towards your dad. Very first thing he said to me. He didn't say, I love you. <laughs> Come on, well, I'm pleased with you. I'm so excited you're finally deciding to come to church. Come on. There was a root of bitterness in me. From my father divorcing my mother at three years old. Come on. And feeling rejection and all these things. Had hatred in my heart. But then God had the audacity to tell me I had to go ask for forgiveness to my dad. I said, are you serious? What did I do to deserve this? Shouldn't he be coming to me and asking me to forgive him for being a terrible dad? Come on, that's real. You know what? Me not knowing anything, I knew I had to obey what I heard. Ain't nobody holding my hand. Nobody mentoring me. I've said this. No mother in the church said, yeah, darling, that's what you got to do. Uh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. No one leading me to do what was right when I could have been a victim and chose to say, no, by God, he did this to my life. And if he wants anything from me, he's going to have to come to me. Don't think those thoughts didn't run through my mind because I told you what I was like then. Right? I wanted to say all those things, but something on the inside, I didn't even know it was called the Holy Ghost. Come on, I didn't have a clue what it was. But I knew I had to obey what the Scripture said. 
And that's where my journey began. Glory to God. I obeyed it. Now, I went to him, and I asked him to forgive me because I, I hate you, right? And I heard, I was reading my Bible, and he told me that I needed to forgive you if he was going to forgive me. I obeyed. He stood there and stared at me. He didn't say a word. Well, I left, and I said, well, <laughs> what? What, what's that about? At least he could have said, you know, I love you. I'm sorry. Yes, I was a horrible dad. I destroyed your life. Nothing. Right? Crickets. About like it is in here sometimes. Well, don't shout me down now. Come on. So, that's where my journey began. By just simply reading the word and heard what the word had to say and chose to actually do it. And what did that do? That released him from that sin. And it had no more hold on me. Then, him watching my life from there, I get a phone call, you know, 20 years later. I want what you have. Will you lead me to Christ over the phone? I led him to Christ over the phone, hung up the phone, and heard the Holy Ghost, because I knew this voice by then, heard the Holy Ghost tell me, if you never would have obeyed me 20 years earlier, simple obedience, to what the word says and responding to it. Come on. Now he's here in the church. Born again. Come on. We baptized him. Never would have happened. And at 18 years old, not having a clue with what you know in this house. I simply obeyed the word and life was able to begin. And God knew the very root that would have kept me bound. He went straight to the very one thing, the very root. He knew it all along. He knew it all along. And it was the very first thing he dealt with me about. Because he knew if I didn't deal with this, it would destroy my the rest of my life. Amen? Because bitter roots will take hold. So, moving back, we must be people that forgive as he said we are to forgive. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says this. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Well, I could talk a lot here, but I won't. No one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. Remember what I said. It's, it's nothing but trouble 
and it will destroy you and can, you will continue to have trouble in your life if you don't deal with issues in your life. You'll still have trouble. Come on. See to it that this bitter root grows up to, to not defile. What does it do? It defiles many. And he's talking about believers. It defiles many. How many can say, I've seen some bitter Christians. And their life's a mess still. And you're wondering why. Right here. There's an issue that's never... There is a root that has never been uprooted by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Come on, and yielded to. So, it sprung up, and it will cause trouble, and it will defile many. Again, bitter root will only produce bitter fruit. Look at Acts chapter 8, 21 through 24. You have no part or portion in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of your wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that, if possible, the intentions of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you have in, are in the gall of bitterness and in bondage of iniquity. So a gall of bitterness will keep you in bondage to that sin. That iniquity. Even though you're born again. Okay? And we have the responsibility to choose that we are going to forgive. We're going to let this go. We're going to walk in forgiveness the way that God says that we must forgive. And deal with anything that could be defiling our life still as a believer. Here's those crickets. Mark 11, 25 through 26. This is right after Mark 11, 23 and 24. And I use this, you know, we need to start going to the next two scriptures after Mark 11, 23 and 24 because everybody wants to, you know, have faith and speak to the mountain and do all these things and cast it into the sea and not doubt in our heart and we'll have those things, whatever we believe when we pray. But yet there's still a problem here. And he lets us know here in what? Whenever you stand praying... Forgive. Lots of people's prayers are not being answered because of this one thing. There's still unforgiveness. They have truly not forgiven and let things go. They're standing praying, speaking to those mountains, wanting this to work in their marriage. Why don't you start applying God's love and stop taking an account of suffered wrong? Stop being angry. Come on. Stop being disappointed. Just get yourself together. Right? And you start just doing you and saying, you know what? Right? It says if we forgive. If, it says whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone. Anything against anyone. Kids may have things against their parents. Right? We need to forgive. I'm not saying 
ignore the situation. I'm saying go to them. I had to go to them. Not everybody has to go to every single thing, but there are situations and and things taking place that you just need to go to them and get things right. That is proper. That is proper, right? To go, communicate, and deal with it, and then let it go, and you can be done. And no matter what their response is, you've... Come on, you have a release in your heart. You've actually applied the word. And you can let it go. And whatever happens then is on them. But you are responsible for you. So if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. Second scripture, we see that he lets you know that your forgiveness can be also based upon you for, or your own forgiveness can be based upon if you are choosing to forgive. But if you don't forgive, neither will your father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. But I thought I was already forgiven. See, everybody lives up underneath that. Salvation is continual until the day you die or trumpet sounds. There's continual things that we have to keep our heart in a position that we're not going to allow any sin from day to day take root, take hold. Come on. Keep us back from what God wants to do in our life. We have to choose to apply it so that our Father will freely forgive us when we have a situation and we need to ask for forgiveness. Amen. Amen. Matthew 18, 21 through 35 says this. It says, Then Peter came to him and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Hmm. Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to... Seventy times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who risked to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, the one who owed him, what, 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had as repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground, prostrated. This is an example of us choosing to forgive or not to forgive. Prostrated before himself, before him saying, have patience with me. So here he's asking for patience, yet we're going to see he didn't apply it back. Have patience with me and I will repay everything. And the Lord of the slave uh, felt compassion and released him. There's that release. And what? Forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him saying, pay me back what you owe me. So his fellow slave fell to the ground just like he was just doing and began to plead with him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling He was unwilling to release him. 
and forgive him even though he had just received it from the Lord, from his Lord. Right? He was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay him back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you of all the debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? Wow. We need to think about this. We're crying out for God's mercy, 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 but yet we're withholding it from others. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father, my heavenly Father, is he your heavenly Father? Yes. Will also do the same to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from what? From his heart, not with your words. But from your heart. The pure motive of your heart. So you can say it all day long, but your actions and your attitude and the atmosphere is still there because you really didn't forgive from a pure heart of I want this right. And if I keep asking God to forgive me, who am I to withhold it from my brother or my sister or my wife or my husband or my father or my mother or my daughter-in-law or my son? Come on. Who are we? How arrogant, prideful, selfish, fleshly, carnal are we when we sit here and act like we're going to come sing a hallelujah and yet still have bitterness, unforgiveness, resentfulness, anger towards others. Amen. This is serious business. A root of bitterness is serious business. And if you don't, we know that it says it will spring up. Well, we know what happens. You know, this is springtime. And what's happening? Growth is happening. Things are what? Springing up. Well, in the beginning, what do we know? It's just little bitty. But then what happens? Like you can see a little tomato plant spring up or a watermelon plant spring up. But boy, once it starts growing, it takes over what? Everything. Everything, especially watermelons. Squash, cucumber. They, they, they take over everything, right? Everything around it. And, can either, and even can smother other plants out. 
So some good things may be trying to want to spring up in your life, but it's being smothered out by all the bad root of bitterness, come on, that's been allowed to grow and take over, so it's smothering out anything good that God would want to do. Amen. So it's important that at the very beginning, you go ahead and dig that little bad boy up. Get it out of the garden. Get it out of the soil of your heart so that it cannot grow. Come on. And it can't take over. And it can't smother out what God wants to do in your life. Your purpose, the plans. The things that God has in store for your life to walk in heaven on earth. To, uh, to see the fullness of all his promises in your life. They'll be smothered out by this root that you didn't deal with. And you'll go through your life smothered, choked out. Come on. Those thorns. Those they'll choke you out. They'll choke the life out of you. And that's why some people look like the walking dead, even in church. They're being choked out by issues, by things that they still haven't let go and let God. We always, woo, let go, let God. Boy, we can preach it, we can talk it, but when it comes down to rooting out, nobody wants to root around. A lot of people don't like weeding. I've noticed that, especially everybody in my house. <laughs> Nobody likes to weed. I enjoy it because every time I pull a weed, I think this is a <laughs> this is a weed that's been plucked up out of my life that can never have hold of me ever again. It's a reminder. God's garden. Every you know, God's garden. Hallelujah. So we got to make sure that we are allowing forgiveness to flow freely in our life so that we're not bound and retain the very things that we hated happen to our lives. Hallelujah. Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers and forgives an offense seeks love. He who covers and forgives. We talked about love covering last time. But... This is in connection with forgives, an offense, seeks love. When you choose to forgive an offense, you're seeking God's love in that situation. Amen? But one who repeats or harps on a matter separates even close friends. Which goes back to what I was talking about last Week that we shouldn't be slandering and talking about people and tearing people down because God's love would not do that. Amen? We should be trying to cover and protect people's lives as much as possible. Unless it comes to the point that, you know, they've done something where the scripture says bring them before the church. Then it can be dealt with in public. Last week when I was talking about, you know, don't ever, you know, that should be the majority of our heart. That we're not going to talk about people. We're not going to slander pastors. We're not going to tear down people in public. 
But that's not meaning that we don't go to them, as the scripture says, in private. And what is the goal? To restore. To bring reconciliation. To bring a bond of unity. Right? But if they refuse reconciliation and they refuse to be dealt with and they refuse accountability and it's still destroying someone's life, then it says bring them before the church. Then you can bring them before the public. But that's usually in the church house. I'm not talking about inquiring minds or the inquire or Facebook or Instagram. Listen, that is not private. It's not private, right? So there are occasions that you do. As I said, you can't cover everything in one message. So Jude 1, this is our last scripture and we'll close. Jude chapter 1, verses 17 through 25, it says, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, how they were told you, that there would be mockers in the last day who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the spirit, very first lesson we talked about, is that if we are going to walk according to the royal law of love, we can only do it by being a person of the word and the Holy Spirit guiding our life. Outside of the Holy Spirit empowering you, you won't be able to walk in fully the God kind of love, right? Because you won't be yielding. But he says this, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, Keep yourselves. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Who's responsible to keep ourselves in the love of God? We are. God is not going to keep his love for you. He's given you his love. He shed it abroad in your heart. He poured it out in your heart. Now you're the one responsible to keep this love guarded, to make sure that's what that means, to keep, to guard, to protect the love of God that's been put in your heart. And are we seeing any importance in this? We are to guard it. We are to keep it. We are to make sure that our heart is motivated in everything that we do, every situation we encounter, every circumstance that comes before us, that our motive is his love and how we respond. And we have the responsibility to guard this love, to keep this love, to allow this love to grow more and more to allow this love to grow fruit that produces depths, widths, lengths, heights, that there is no end to the love of God growing in our life because it is a, the fruit of the Spirit. It can grow. It's a fruit. It starts small, but then what? It's supposed to grow, 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 and produce His love in such a way 
that you can walk through life in every encounter that you encounter that the love of God is going to be the first thing and the first thought that comes to your mind. Come on. And how you're going to respond in this situation. According to what the scripture says. How we are to respond in the pure love of God. In the situation. So we are to keep ourselves in the loving God. In the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until eternal life. Mercy. Again. The guy was crying out for, ha- for mercy, but there was none being shown. So if we want to continue to receive the mercy of God in our lives, when we don't deserve, come on, that's what that means. We didn't deserve it. We don't deserve the things that he will forgive us of. But we still get, come on, we still get to ask of it. And if we want it, you need to release it because what, what do we know? Whatsoever things you soweth, you're going to reap. So if you don't sow forgiveness, guess what? You're not going to reap it. If you don't sow mercy, guess what? You're not going to receive it. If you don't sow, come on, love, then guess what? You know what? The very thing you so desire from whoever it is that you may want all this love from. But if you still got walls up, guess what you're not going to get? The love that really you want. Because you got too many walls. And you're not sowing the love. Come on. Say, sow the love. Sow the love. Sow the love. We're going to sow the love of God. And we're going to reap what? The love of God in our lives. Hallelujah. So we need to be those that keep ourselves in the loving of God. Verse 22, I want to finish reading this. It says, and on some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory and exceeding joy to our God, Savior, who alone is wise, glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. He's the only one that can do it for and through us. Amen? So let's be people that choose to have a pure heart of God's love, agape's love, and do whatever we can to apply it every day. Don't be a wishy-washy person. One day you're forgiven and letting things go, and a week, you know what that tells me? You still have an account of suffered wrong. I'm not saying it's not a process and working through But every day you ought to be, I forgive them. I'm going to walk this thing through. I'm not going to hold an account of suffered wrong. I'm going to choose. Come on. To make sure I am readily and freely. Freely means there's no strings attached. No strings attached. Amen? 
No strings attached. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Father, for the love of God. We're so thankful, Father, that we got to be partakers of this divine love in our life. And, Father, let us not squander the love that's been shed abroad. But let us allow this fruit in our life to grow and produce the fullness. The fullness of what you see in our lives. Let us be a person that chooses to just let things go. To forgive. To forget. To not hold on to an account of suffered wrong. But to love like you we thank you i want to read this because this is my last message if i can find it i pulled this up because i was reminded of the best expanded translations of first corinthians 13 and i just think we read this a lot in weddings but i just want to end on this i want you to think about it this is Rick Renner's expanded translation on 1 Corinthians uh, 13. Uh, was it 4 through 8? It says this. Love patiently. Now, I, when I read this, I want you to think about yourself, not anybody sitting beside you. Does this look like you? That's what you should be asking yourself. Love patiently and passionately bears with others for as long as patience is needed. Love does not demand others to be like itself. Rather, it is so focused on the needs of others that it bends over backwards. I can't do a back bend or whatever that's called. Is that what that's called? A back bend? So that one kind of gets me there. <laughs> Bends over backwards to become what others needs it to be. Love is not ambitious, self-centered, or so consumed with itself that it never thinks of the needs or desires that others possess. Love doesn't go around talking about itself all the time constantly exaggerating and embellishing the facts to make it look uh, more important in the sight of others. Love does not behave in a prideful, arrogant, haughty, superior, snooty, snobbish, or clannish manner. Love is not rude and is not discourteous. It is not careless or thoughtless nor does it carry on in a fashion that would be considered insensitive to others. Love does not manipulate situations or scheme and divides methods that will twist situations to its own advantage. Love does not deliberately keep records of wrongs or past mistakes. Love does not feel overjoyed when it sees an injustice done to someone and someone else, but is elated, thrilled, ecstatic, and overjoyed with the truth. Love protects, shields, guards, covers, conceals, and safeguards people from exposure. Love always expects and anticipates the best in others 
and the best for others. Love never quits, never surrenders, never gives up. Love never disappoints, never fails, and never lets anyone down. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.